Maine Boats, Homes, and Harbors magazine, covering Maine's boats, harbors, arts, and architecture since 1987. Bringing the coast as close as the mailbox, on the web at mainboats.com. Voices. 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 A community audio magazine only here on WERU every Tuesday afternoon at 4 and Saturdays at 3. This hour of Boat Talk is made possible in part by Gamble and Hunter Sailmakers, making sales for classic boats, cruising boats, and the main windjammers for over 20 years. Near the harbor in Camden, gambleandhunter.net. The time is just about 9.59, and you are tuned to WERU-FM 89.9 Blue Hill, 102.9 Bangor, and streaming online at WERU.org. Boat Talk with hosts Alan Sprague and Mike Joyce is up next. Good morning. Good morning. It's uh, second Tuesday of the month, 10 o'clock time for Boat Talk here on Community Radio, WERU-FM, Blue Hill, 89.9, 102.9 in Bangor. I'm Alan Sprague. That's Mike Joyce over there. We're the rusty anchors of Boat Talk. It's a call-in radio show for people contemplating things naval, and we're here today to take our bows and waves, mostly here to wave hello to Giffy Full, who is back again for the summer. Welcome back, Giffy. Glad to have you back. Thank you. Glad to be here. Uh, glad you're with us. So we have all kinds of things going on now that it's spring. Things are just jumping forth. Let's just jump right into the well, I thought, little news well, bits. Let's start with Giffy for a minute. Pull that microphone a little bit closer there, Giffy. Uh, you were down to Florida this winter. Did you have the boat with you? No boat. No, no boat. boat. Is, that, is that microphone on? Okay. <laughs> no boat. Yep. Okay. Well, that uh, changes your winter plan for Florida quite a bit, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's quite different. <laughs> I uh, I kind of missed the boat part of it, but I made a couple trips down the waterfront in Palm Beach, and and I didn't see too many boats that interested me. I guess I'm too old-fashioned. <laughs> well, you know, you've seen a lot of nice boats. Giffy, uh, for people who are not familiar with them, is probably I would I would have to guess one of the most experienced marine surveyors in, in, in the United States, if not the world. Um, you know, Captain G.W. Fole and Associates out of Marblehead, Massachusetts, was what he'd done for years and years. Um, you see a lot of these, uh, James, I call them James Bond yachts, big uh, fiberglass, uh, you know, power boats, uh, dark windows, uh, you know, really... Satellite TVs, washer dryers. Yeah, yeah. Totally, uh, I'm sorry to be so opinionated, but they just don't interest me. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Well, I kind of feel the same way. <laughs> <laughs> we are so glad you're back for the season. Giffy, of course, is welcome anytime he's here, sort of a permanent co-host as long as he's around, and and uh, so glad to have him here this morning. It is a call-in show, and uh, we got a bunch of stuff to talk about this morning. We'll uh, be calling the boat school down in Eastport in a little bit, and uh, we'll also later on talk to the e-paint people environmentally sensitive bottom paint. Uh, they're down in Falmouth, Massachusetts. We always like to do some uh, news items. In the meantime, though, uh, it's interesting, and, and I uh, clipped this, but I only got half of the article, so I forget what the modules are, but Chanbro uh, uh, Construction Company has taken over the old Eastern Fine paper mill site in Brewer on the Penobscot River. They're building steel modules for, I believe it's the oil business, and they are going to Texas. And the reason I find that interesting is uh, you'd think they're going to big, big, build big steel stuff that's needed in Texas. They'd do it near Texas. You know, it's heavy. But the fact is that uh, they're going to do some dredging on the Penobscot River so they can uh, get out from the shore there, and they're going to float those things to Texas on barges. Mm-hmm. And it brings up a great rule uh, I read from some explorers one time who were uh, trying to ski across Antarctica. And... The rule being, if you can, uh, you know, if you can pick it up and carry it, well, you, you know, that's cool. If you can put wheels under it, there's an advantage. If you can skid it on the snow or the ice on a sled, well, you can take some more stuff. But if you can float it, we'll bring everything you want. 
you can carry a lot of stuff when you're floating things, you know. Yeah. There should be more water transport coastwise in this country. Uh, and we, we've neglected our canal systems for a long, long, long time. One of the cheapest ways to move product is by water. Couldn't agree more. You go, you go to Europe. They've taken care of their canals. They've improved them. They have uh, big fleets of what they call fifteen hundred ton euro barges, and they move all kinds of product by water. And uh, the canal systems are some of the things that are really quite unbelievable. Sit around a. Uh, I visited Lock and Dam number twelve on the Mississippi River in Iowa a couple of years back. Uh, one of my cousins-in-law runs it, and uh, you know, you watch the barge traffic go through those uh, locks on the Mississippi River. You can't understand hardly the amount of stuff that goes up and down there. And uh, as I say, if you can float it, you've got a large advantage of uh, of scale. And uh, again, you can float a lot of heavy stuff very easily. Um, speaking of uh, heavy stuff. Um, Gulf Coast shipyards from New Orleans and Pascagoula, Mississippi, are advertising in Bath, Maine for shipbuilders. Hmm. And uh, they're not so busy in Bath right now. They're kind of in between uh, projects. They're talking about a new kind of warship for the Navy that's a small um, littoral combat ship uh, meant to go into shallow water. You know, it's not so much the uh, battleships out in the middle of the ocean now, and they're uh, refining the role there. But anyway, they're offering uh, $10,000 to people from Maine who want to go to a, a certified shipbuilder that wants to move down to the Gulf Coast. There's a demand there. Uh, speaking of demand for shipbuilding, Hodgton Brothers did a project a little while ago where they uh, built a Navy SEAL boat, which was a composite built, meant to withstand uh, shock loads, you know, which can be up to, I think it was 12 Gs for a Navy SEAL sitting in the seat pounding a across wave tops at 60 miles an hour. That's more than a big fighter plane, uh, you know, people are getting hurt. So uh, Hodgson Brothers apparently going to uh, get a good chance to build some more of these, and they're looking with the city of Bangor for some land that Bangor owns on the river in Hamden to set up a boat building facility just for these things to uh, mass produce them. At Hodgson Brothers, basically they build one fancy boat at a time, very, very custom. This would be kind of a different operation. So it sounds like the Penobscot River is going to get pretty busy here pretty soon. You know, commercial traffic, I think, is a wonderful thing to see. I really do. Um, what else we got here? Uh, let's see. Uh, well, Giffy, uh, we were just talking about this. Lobster boat sales are kind of tanking this year, you know, and, and it's just not a good year for maybe a fisherman to get a new boat. No, it uh, doesn't, doesn't look really good. Uh, plus, uh, you have to remember that... Uh, all the fiberglass products, uh, uh, you know, all made basically from coal and oil, and uh, that that affects things too. Yeah, I'm sure the, the price, pro- the the base products cost more money. Yeah, and and uh, with the price of oil, it's uh, it affects everything like that. On Boat Talk, we've been uh, talking about the uh, fact that the lobster catch was way off last year from a quarter to a third down. Um, that doesn't help. This uh, whole whale thing that's going on right now with having to replace the, replace the floating rope with a sinking rope is, uh, you know, there's a government program to help with that, but it's a big stress on, on the boys, and it doesn't help either, and, uh, not to mention expense and time. And uh, as Giffy said, the price of uh, everything from resin to fuel and bait uh, you know, is just not helpful nowadays. So lobster boat builders, which were backed up, are now, uh, you know, basically hurting for work and trying to find different ways to proceed, maybe go fishing, maybe offer people deals, you know. Have to see what happens now. Speaking of whales, uh, a lot of controversy in the main lobster fishery about the uh, whale entanglement issue, you know. And well, a couple of notes here. Um, this year, uh, in Cape Cod Bay, there was an especially large bunch of whales which showed up. 75 to 100 right whales showed up in Cape Cod Bay. They've just seemed to have left and gone maybe north and east towards the Bay of Fundy. And uh, usually it's uh, 25 to 50 of them this time of year. That represents about a quarter of all the right whales in the world. And interestingly enough, this year they're uh, looking for them in a different way. It's always been uh, looking from ships and planes. Well, this year they've... Uh, deployed a series of 13 underwater microphones from Cape Cod Bay out to Stellwagen Bank. And uh, these microphones listen for whales, and they can pick up a whale within about five miles. 
And <coughs> the researchers have been stunned, just shocked, totally shocked, to find that when their traditional methods haven't shown them many whales are in the area, there are a lot of whales in the area. Yeah. Well, that's, that's really fairly old technology because uh, years ago uh, I did uh, a charter with some research work in the middle of the winter, and we picked up the sound that we didn't understand what they were, <laughs> and they were actually a school of porpoises. Yeah. Hmm. Neat. Yeah. And, of course, sound carries so well underwater. Yeah. 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 It's easy to hear them five miles in a ship. You can hear them much, much further. Well, to relate this back to the Maine lobster fishery, uh, one thing you hear from, from the lobstermen uh, is that I've never seen one of them damn whales. Why do I have to take my floating rope out of the water? They're not where I'm fishing, you know. And I would suggest the fact that you haven't seen one doesn't mean they're not there, you know. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's uh, everything underwater is more or less out of sight, you know, which <laughs> kind of makes it tricky to be a fisherman or, or maybe a whale. And, and uh, in fact, uh, rope entanglement is a problem. They say 75% of all the right whales uh, bear some markings from rope entanglement or have rope on them. And uh, they find uh, main rope off of whales off of Florida. Now, the largest cause of mortality, though, is supposedly ship strikes. And there was just put through the Congress a new rule that commercial ships in areas where uh, right whales are perceived to be need to slow down to 10 knots. Now, for a big ship, 10 knots is pretty slow, faster than a regular sailboat is going 6 to 8 knots. Say. Yeah, well, the problem with that is probably 10 knots going to kill a whale anyhow. Yeah. Well, and also uh, time is money, you know. So, uh, yeah. they well, don't it want... is money. Uh, yeah. It costs a tremendous amount of money in downtime for a big ship. Yeah. People but... don't understand what it costs. Nope, they don't uh, want to slow down. Uh, and, uh, nor do the whales. Yeah. No, and uh, so anyway, the... Uh, the Congress passed a uh, ship strike uh, bill, and it went to the White House, and the White House has uh, put the whole thing on hold with no comment. And uh, you would ask, why might that be? And you would think politics as usual. What, I mean, what do you think the, the downtime cost is for a big ship? Oh, it's, it's enormous. Uh, I'd say right now, uh, uh, oh, I, I would think it was eighteen to $20,000 an hour. Every hour that a ship can't operate. Yep, wouldn't doubt it a bit. Now, uh, we also talked, too, about uh, uh, water, water uh, security in uh, a boat talk or two ago. And uh, pointing out that we have a vessel, a vessel identification center in West Virginia. And what they do in West Virginia, they don't have a radar scanning <laughs> the shore. They, they uh, scan paperwork for anomalies, okay? And based on uh, paperwork... They suggest uh, a boat or two a day to be boarded by the Coast Guard off of, off of uh, United States ports. And, uh, in fact, the Coast Guard does board one or two ships a day. I believe uh, 60,000 port visits a year by big ships. Now, uh, you can't look in the containers. Even if you could take the time to, you can't get at them. They're stacked mm -hmm. so tight. And you board that ship, you can't really hang it up. You can't, uh, you know, stop it from going about its business. <coughs> the time is money. That new, that new Danish ship, Maersk Line ship, I think she carried something like, I don't remember the exact number, 15,000 containers, that new big ship. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And she delivers them in four days. Yeah. Wow. And just as fast as they can and untie the boat and go yeah. get some more. Yeah. No doubt about it. While we're talking about uh, whales and ropes and buoys here and, and uh, you know, uh, main gear on, on uh, whales off of Florida. How about this one here from the Working Waterfront? A buoy from a Vinyl Haven fisherman was found, off of the, was found in a bar in the Dominican Republic. And uh, obviously it was found on the shore nearby. And that's about 4,000 miles from here. And another... Uh, it's kind of the opposite direction of the stream. Well, well that right. is a, what you've got to realize, that that buoy probably went all the way up around off of Scotland and way down... Right. Uh, around off the coast of South America before it wound up there. Possible. Wow. We'll get to that in a second. But a uh, Vinyl Haven uh, a high school kid was walking on the beach in, in the Bahamas and found a uh, Maine lobster buoy from a fellow he knew on Vinyl Haven <laughs> and also some tra trap vents and uh, trap cleats, you know, on the beach in, in the Bahamas. 
How did they get there? Well, the Gulf Stream does run north, and as it comes up past here and, and uh, Newfoundland and curls off towards Europe, it does everything on the planet, as we were talking about in a previous Boat Talk. Uh, read a great, great book called uh, To Follow the Water, which is what an oceanographer does. Everything goes around in circles. A current just doesn't bring the water north. It has to go back again south. The Gulf Stream is bringing warm water north. There is a, a current under it going south. The cold, dense water, which is uh, very, very salty up in the Arctic and uh, very, very dense because of its temperature, sinks and goes south under it. There's also a coastal current that goes down the shore. It could have got there that way or gone, as, as Giffy says, the Great Circle route. Also possible, this gear, uh, the one from uh, the Dominican Republic, was set uh, offshore from Vinyl Haven. Okay, it was an offshore uh, trap. And uh, maybe it got picked up by a ship. A tanker yeah, you or also something. want to remember that most ships southbound run on the inside edge of the Gulf Stream if they can, because yep. they pick up they pick up that little edge of back current and pick up a little speed. Yeah, I guess the point would be it's all connected. Uh, yeah. Plus the bigger point that it all goes around in circles, you yeah. know. And still a lot to learn. <laughs> yeah, and uh, you mess around with that circularization of the uh, pump that runs the, basically the climate on this planet, and you've got a problem. And as uh, oceanographers kind of point out, people are always going on about, oh, the sea level's going to rise and drown Miami. Well, long before the sea level uh, drowns Miami or, or uh, you know, the shore next to your house, the weather will have gone to hell, <laughs> and it won't be your biggest problem. Yeah. So Now, well, we got Jim Bahoosh come in and sit down here. I suppose there's a good reason for that. Morning, Jim. Good morning. Thank you for letting me yeah. come on in. Oh, uh, you got no microphone going there. How about try this one until Amy comes? I back? could yell over towards yours. Thank you both for letting me. Thank you all for letting me come in today. I am in here today to talk about cumboating a bit. Cumboating is the Belfast organization whose mission is to get folks out on the water. We're a volunteer group, and our season launch is coming up Saturday, May twenty fourth. It's eleven a.m. Am I here? I'm here now. Nice. <laughs> is this thing on? It's on. It's our season launch is Saturday, May 24th, 11 a.m. till 2 p.m. And the rain date being Sunday the 25th. And as I said, come boating is all about getting folks out on the water. And we are open to anybody of any level, any skill. All you need is the desire to come on out. What we have that's most noticeable, we have two 32-foot Cornish gigs. And the Cornish gigs are uh, rowing boats, pulling boats. Six oars, one person per oar. There's a skipper who calls strokes. And if you want to go rowing on a Cornish gig, you come on down to our boathouse, which is located at the Belfast waterfront, diagonally across from the harbor master's office. There's a mailbox on the side with a book. You sign up for a row, you show up for a row, and you get to go on out. Everybody's welcome. As I said, the rows are free. We would, of course, love people to become members of Come Boating. Uh, membership for an individual is $20. For a family, it's 40 And it's just a great way to get out on the water. We also do sailing lessons for kids and adults in the summer. The kids' sailing lessons, actually both kids and adults, will be starting up in late June. So there will be information about all that at the season launch Saturday the 24th and also on our website, which is comeboating.org. How are you fixed for rowers? Do they have to... Uh, you have to uh you need enough people to row the boat, or do you have to fight for seats there? You sign up first. That's, yeah. it's, a little, it's, not, it's a little less convenient for folks who are out of time, but since we're, and everyone's invited, whether you live in, you know, Valley, Upper Nowhere, or right in Belfast, but we are a Belfast group, and the sign-up sheet is right there, and that's what you need to do. You need to sign up ahead of time for a row. Um, you can take your chances and just show up. You know, that we, have, we put a schedule out so you know when the rows are, when the community rows are, and if there's an available seat, you can get on. But to be guaranteed a seat and to make sure that it's, you're not wasting your time, you sign up, you show up, and you go out for a row. So cool. if somebody's just in town for the day, they can sign up that same day. And they definitely can. And we get a lot of folks who are just passing through town, a lot of people who are vacationing in the area, and we hear back from a lot of them that it was the highlight of their trip, and they can't wait to come back next year. It's a Free boat ride. <laughs> free boat ride. And, and anybody who has a boat knows that anything with the word free in a boat is really hard to believe. Yep, kind of an oxymoron in so many ways. But, uh, again, other people's boat is, is uh, just as smart as using other people's money in so many ways. Would you please inject something else in your program? 
a very little short statement about manners on the water. Ah. Well, we are uh, manners with regard to what do you have in mind? Everything. Rights away. Particularly powerboats, but good manners on the water. Well, we um, let we we get a lot of folks who've never been on the water before. That's why. And we are also a volunteer organization, so all the skippers on the boats are volunteers. And sometimes you're you're doing all you can just to make sure everyone on the boat is safe because everyone's coming in at a different capability. Belfast Harbor also isn't all that busy, so we don't. There's not a lot of traffic, and it doesn't really come up a lot that how you need to get out of the way and you need to stay out of the way as somebody who's moving a whole lot faster than you. We also don't go out real far. If the weather's good, we'll be going out um, about one and a half nautical miles, a three nautical mile round trip. So we don't get, we are traveling through the lane on the way out, but if the weather's bad, we're going upriver. And so we're, we're out of a navigational lane. Well, good. Good citizenship on the water is good seamanship, you know? So why don't you give the, uh, contact information again one more time. The, well, our season launch is coming up. We are located, it will be taking place at the boathouse, our boathouse in Belfast. Not the large boathouse, it's our boat shed, actually, which is diagonally across from the harbor master's office. The season launch is Saturday, May 24th. You can come on down. Both of the gigs will be available for shorter rows that day, so you can try it out. And our email address, our, our website is come boating.org and there's all sorts of information about there about our um, sailing lessons sailing programs, rowing regattas and all the different things that we do and we'd love to have folks become involved that's what it's all about, getting folks out on the water learning about the water, learning those good manners, just becoming familiar with what we've got right here in our backyard Okay, well Thank you Jim Bahoo. Thank you very much Jim and I think we have a phone caller already on the line I think the boat school might be on the phone Okay, what I'm guessing All right. Yeah. Good morning. Welcome to Boat Talk. Good morning. Who are we speaking to? Well, Dean Pike and Brett Blanchard. Good morning, Dean, uh, old buddy of Boat Talk. And, Brett, we've talked to you both over the years. Um, things are going pretty good down at the boat school this year, fair to say? Oh, wicked good. Glad to hear that. Can you explain it? Yes. Uh, well, we're going to launch a boat on May 16th, the end of this week, on Friday. And that's the first boat launching we've had in quite a few years here. And now we're under the leadership of Huston College. A couple of years back, the uh, boat school was kind of languishing a little bit. And, uh, you know, it became a situation where it was going to be moved from its, its uh, grounds in Eastport, which is a very good facility, to kind of a lesser spot over in Calus. The uh, funding, the students had dried up. And uh, I would like to think that, Boat Talk, as well as uh, a lot of other people, made a big noise and made a little difference. The uh, governor put some money into it, and Husson College has picked it up. And uh, you guys are now working uh, more closely with uh, um, the industry in the state of Maine, too. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I, I, I would say so. Through, uh, through the North Star Alliance, uh, John Miller, who's the, uh, the administrator here from from Hassan has really done a lot with North Star. We've run uh, painting programs. We've run uh, certified composite technician programs, which, by the way, we're running another one of those this summer. We've run travel lift training for the industry. So uh, things are significantly smoother under the uh, Hassan flag. Boy, so glad to hear it. Now, uh, how many students do we have there this year? We got about ten or eleven full timers, and then we have a couple of people taking courses like the systems course. Any course that doesn't have prerequisites, uh, anybody in the state can come and take the courses. That's another new thing under the Husson flag. I notice here. Um, I see a picture of the Whitehall in the current issue of the Fisherman's Voice newspaper, and it also says that. Grants are available for Maine students who intend to work in Maine to uh, help help cover the tuition, which is a good thing. Yes, those are through North Star. Eighty uh, percent of our students right now are taking advantage of those grants, and they can be up to five thousand dollars. Wow, very interesting. Now, okay, so you had you had the uh, kids built. Well, kids, uh, you know, <laughs> relative word there. 
<laughs> yeah, uh, you guys built a 15-foot white hall, which is a lap-strake uh, pulling boat, kind of fancy, a little bit of uh, wine glass in the back end, I'm thinking, and, and uh, you know, a fair, a kind of a tricky boat to build, um, honestly. Now, here's my question. Um, can you learn more than building the white hall uh, by building the white hall? Oh, absolutely. Actually, Carvel Planked. Okay. Um, yeah, they're learning a lot of uh, joinery techniques. Uh, also, paint, varnish, uh, proper fastening, um, and of course, we also build boats other than the Whitehall here. Uh, I'll let Dean talk about that. Sure. Yeah, we um, in, in senior year uh, is largely composite. Uh, not that uh, not that we don't do some wooden boat restoration senior year, but you also have uh, uh, the. American Composite Manufacturers Association Certified Composite Technician Program that we run. Uh, we also build a composite hull of some sort every year, senior year. So, uh, but the White Hall, I, I know a lot of the people in industry kind of scratch their head and wonder why we're still building a plank on frame boat. And really, uh, we feel it's just a big joinery project. And it also helps the students understand lofting. And let's face it, uh, you know, you can have all the composite hulls in the world, but, but someone's got to put the, the cabinet work in, and this prepares them for that. Interesting. Now, um, this is a nice-looking boat. Uh, I'm uh, guessing it turned out pretty good. It's got to be hard to have, more, you know, more than a couple people build a 15-foot boat in some ways, isn't it? Well, it is. It, uh, you have to uh, do a little thinking and planning. Uh, of course, a lot of this is problem-solving for the students also. Uh, they will make mistakes, and uh, as a matter of fact, uh, we just broke another piece this morning just before I came over. Uh, <laughs> but we'll get it back together. Uh, it's really good for the students to work together as a team, too, so that when they go out in the industry, they're, they uh, have gotten some people's skills down. And those people uh, that you're training there are, are, you know, aiming for the jobs that Alan currently holds, and I used to, uh, you know, boatyard uh you know, boatyard joiner, basically, boatyard carpenter. Do you have a lot of uh, boatyards and uh, boat builders coming to you looking for graduates? Boy, yeah. I mean, that's actually, that's the problem of all schools in, in the United States right now. Uh, most schools uh, have uh, employers calling them up. We, we get calls at least once or twice a week looking for employees so uh, the job market's pretty good for them and uh, the, the the training is uh, very desirable for uh, for main boat builders just uh, the, the painting course that we just finished off with heavy support from uh, all grip and interlux uh, uh, we had Dan McNaughton who runs uh, Rockport uh, Rockport Marine uh, up here teaching the painting course and he's got you know, twenty-eight odd years of uh, oh yeah experience. I worked with Dan probably twenty-eight odd years ago. Exactly, <laughs> I, know, I know Dan too. He's got eSport connections as well. Oh, ab- absolutely. Yeah. His his brother Tom still lives here and is a designer here. So uh, it was good having him up for for both the varnish program and the painting program. And again, that was heavily uh, backed by Northstar. Okay. Um, yeah, when you say painting now, we should probably tell for the people listening that we're talking about spray painting now, not just no, brush as, painting. No, as, as a matter of fact, this particular course now, you've got to remember that, that we used to have a, a full-time marine painting program, which we're trying to bring back. Uh, the stuff that Dan did was uh, bright work, i.e., uh, different types of varnishes, how they're applied, uh, all by brush. Mm-hmm. And the, the all-grip all grip seminar was actually roll and tip. you got to remember that a lot of the mega yachts built in the world today are painted by the roll and tip method. Right, they're too by, big to fit into a, exactly. a spray booth. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So now that isn't to say uh, next year what we hope to do is bring back an advanced marine painting class, and that will indeed be spray painting. Let's uh, explain some terms here. By rolling and tipping, you can not only paint a mega yacht and get a good job that way, but also the walls of your house you roll the paint on. 
and then you just kind of uh, drag it off with a nice brush. As I remember, I remember, I think it was Dan who rolled and tipped a car one time when I was around. <laughs> hey, uh, you, you can, can you know, you can, been done. Yeah. you can get a job. Don't look bad when she's going 60 miles an hour and you're about 100 feet away. So there. Anything that covers up rust. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so the future looks good for the boat school down there. Boy, couldn't be happier. Well, it's uh, it's been a great transition, and uh, we're just looking forward to continued work with Hassan, and they are just uh, an amazing supporters. Um, they really stepped up to the plate here. Now, you're having a launching. Uh, I suppose that anybody could show up to the launching. Uh, when's, when's it at? It's at 11 o'clock on May 16th, and uh, if you want to RSVP, there'll be food available. 16th to Friday? Yes, it is. Okay. The other item is that uh, the young people in Washington County need any chance for good education in the marine field. They need it. Yes, they do. And uh, we, we're looking at quite a few uh, local students attending next year. Uh, I think you're going to see our enrollment uh, more than double by next year. Well, excellent, because uh, it's, uh, again, a recurring theme on Boat Talk that we have a worldwide reputation as boat builders here in Maine, but not so much a local reputation, you know. A lot of uh, local people don't know nothing about a boat or a boatyard. Well, we actually had what we called a Discovery Day, and we had uh, we invited all the high schools in the state of Maine, and we had over 200 students come. Wow. So Interesting. And we were just uh, talking earlier how lobster boat uh, building is way off right now, but uh, big yacht building is still strong, you know, and, and service work and stuff. And I hate to uh, try to make a correlation that the bigger and fancier the boat, the better the market at the present time. It may say something about the times, but, again, uh, it, it is tricky times. But there are still, I believe the boat industry is the second largest industry in the state of Maine, and it, it, you'd have to call it healthy at the present time. Well, you figure we've we've been building boats in the state of Maine since 1608. Hopefully, we we uh, keep that tradition alive. Yeah, and hopefully we've learned something and got 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 practice good along the way too. Dean uh, Pike and Brett Blanchard from the boat school down in Eastport. Real happy to talk to you this morning. Glad to hear it's going well. And anything we uh, left out? Nope. Just thanks for keeping uh, hope alive here. Well, I think we. Uh, I'd... I don't remember if you gave any sort of contact information for people who would like to. Uh, there you go. Yep, learn to how to roll and tip or whatever. Yep, give us a call at uh, 853-2518. And okay. we also have a website called net. Okay, boatschoolhussin.net. That's right. Now, what was this piece that we broke this morning and how are we going to fix it? Well, it was a bead that went uh, on the bottom of the uh, strake, and uh, we're gluing it back together. Uh-huh. Glue's a wonderful thing. Yes, it is. <laughs> uh, one thing I learned when I first turned up at the Hinkley Company is sometimes you have to start over again if you want to get it just right. Well, this was a nice break. It, the grain fit together very nicely, and nobody will ever know. Well, and we learned something else, too, because as a... Uh, Old uh, Dutch carpenter I used to work with, he says, uh, he says you're not any good. And he, he says, uh, a good uh, workman doesn't get in much trouble, but a really good workman knows how to get himself out of any trouble he gets into. <laughs> yeah, we do that a lot here. <laughs> <laughs> On a purpose, some, sometimes. <laughs> Thanks, boys. Glad well, to talk to you this morning. Thank you, guys. You guys take care. Thank, thank you. you. Yeah. Right, bye. Dean Pike and Brett Blanchard from down to the uh, boat school down to Eastport. Well, we are doing boat talk this morning. We're more than halfway through it, and we haven't even given the phone number once. No, I we haven't. And, uh, Call in show, and uh, haven't told you the number, so we'll tell you that right now. One eight six 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 two five nine three seven eight, and we do have another caller on the line. Well, I think uh, honestly, we might have the e paint people on the line at the present time. Good morning. Who's there? Good morning. Uh, I think you actually are uh, Tack and Jibe. <laughs> not click and clack, but tack and jive. Splish, and jive. Splish and splash, not as funny as click and clack, Alan <laughs> says sometimes, you know. No, we're not in particularly funny times. Um, this who are we speaking to? This is Judith Lawson from yeah. Brooksville. Hi, Judith. Hi. And I called up about this time last year, and we did talk about e-paint. 
uh, uh, we didn't talk about e-paint at that point because we didn't know about it. Well, it took us a little while to, uh, we figured it out from an old uh, professional boat builder magazine, and this is the bottom painting time, so um, they, uh, you know, have a product that's quite interesting, too, so very interested to talk to them. Well, the, uh, uh, you, you, I hope, will really get onto it and talk about, there are probably a couple of brands or varieties out there now. But I wanted to bring up something else. I mean, li- listening to you and, and Giffy talk about a multitude of subjects, all of which are great and need a lot of sun and air on them, uh, as a, uh, another of the garrulous old sea dogs around here who likes to bring up what we have to change, um, I loved what you just said about when you were working for Hinkley's, which I, who I also worked for as a delivery captain. That's a great uh, club to belong to as an ex-member. There we go. Oh. It, was almost, <laughs> it was almost a school, really. It was. and, and uh, Never as, fun, as much fun or glamorous as you would hope, though, in yeah. my experience. So there. But anyway. Mostly blood, sweat, and tears. Yeah. You know that. So. Well, I almost went to jail, but Hank Holstead helped me out. <laughs> <laughs> it had to do with carrying somebody else's drug paraphernalia on their yacht, and I didn't know about it. Uh, boy, we could, if we could get Hank Halstead to tell some stories here one morning, we might be doing a good job. But anyway, Judith, <laughs> we might be in yeah. trouble. <laughs> well, listen, here, here's what I wanted to bring up. You, you made that remark about how uh, sometimes you've got to start over again to get it right. And as we start to look at the inputs to... Uh, composite and modern boat building, fiberglass boat building, we can see it's not sustainable. It's all fossil fuels, so it really has to go away. It has to be replaced. And uh, I know that there there are such good-spirited and good-hearted boat builders in Maine that this is the place where the turnaround can happen. There are going to be a lot of ways of doing this, and one is looking into nature. I'm speaking with my Bioneers hat on right now. If you look into nature, you see the glues that nature has provided. And, uh, in fact, there is a, a very well-known woman bioneer, uh, Janine, I think her last name is Bayrus, Bias, Bias, I believe it's Bias. And this is her field. It's called Biomimicry. And <laughs> it's one of the ways that we will move through this transition without a whole lot of pain. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be painful in many ways. Because we're used to cheap and easy oil, cheap and easy fossil fuels. And in leaving those behind, uh, we have to have something better to go to. It's just like when you're at sea. You know, you get a fix and you see you're headed for the bricks and you don't want to keep going in that direction. You have to have a better direction to go in. So uh, I want to, first of all, appreciate those folks who've been developing the e-paints. This is a huge step forward. And as someone who is researching and writing <laughs> renewable energy and climate change and all the ways that we have to make the transition, uh, I know that they're, they're, they're leading the way in this crucial, this is a crucial business, the coatings that go on the bottoms and the top sides of boats and the interiors. We know that they're not sustainable. We know that they're not good for the marine ecology. And we have to find our way to the better future. So I bring that up uh, also with a little sidebar here from a guy named Bob Scott over in Castine. He's got a New York 32, a wooden boat. And he gave me at the recent forum, the TDEC forum at Maine Maritime, looking at <coughs> Maine Maritime developing a test bed for tidal current uh, technology turbines. Uh, he showed me this, I think it's a view from space of the English Channel, and it looks a great deal like the Bagadoos, the same shape as that estuary. Now, what does that tell us about nature's plan? Well, people spoke up about <clears throat> there were a lot of yachtsmen there. There were a lot of environmentalists. There were concerned citizens at many stripes at the forum, which was April 29th. And uh, the, es- the estuary, the Bagadoos estuary, is considered very fragile, very delicate. So there's a lot to do. You know, castines are real popular Anchorage and place to come in for yachts in the summer. So, and not to mention the the academy and the big ship. Uh, Many, many considerations. And what we're finding, we being my co-producer, Dick Kane, on the film, The Tidal Generation. By the way, WERU is our media home base for this film. Small uh, neighborhood, all connected. It's all connected. (laughs) 
what what we begin to see as we speak with scientists and ecologists about tidal power, which has huge potential, and there's a gold rush on for it right now, is we have to understand much more deeply and broadly what lies beneath the surface. It's like the whales showing up where nobody saw them before, but now we have a means of finding them. And the bottles that are washing up in unexpected places. It all you said it just right, and I'll just turn right back to you. And thanks very much, guys. Well, thank you, Judith. There's there's one pet thing that I've had for years and years, and now it's just maybe going to start to develop, and that's the use of the Gulf Stream, which is tremendous, tremendous. If you you couldn't even hardly compute the horsepower that flows up through. The Straits of Florida, uh, tremendous uh, possibilities for power, and and you could put just just a broad idea. You could put turbines on the bottom where nobody sees them. They don't bother, as far as we know now, anything, and and just have an awful lot of free, essentially free power from it. Gibby, they're already out there looking at it and probably starting to do it. The Ocean Renewable Power Company, ORPC, in Eastport, has uh, been researching the Gulf Stream, and you're absolutely right. If we do it the right way, if we get it right the first time, it will be good. It will benefit everyone. We can get off fossil fuels. And those terrific guys up at the University of Maine in Orono who are working on composite technology I know they're in on this, too, because they understand that we can't continue to draw on fossil fuels. And we'll have to move again through that knothole. We've got to go through a knothole here. And there's another thing that you have to throw in here, too. Is you, you, they, I'm not a farmer, huh? <laughs> but everything I try to plant dies. But uh, I think we have to have purposely planned renewable wood resources uh, we need to we need to plant the trees for the future and the different trees that produce good boat building and uh, lumber we just can't cut everything down and use it and be done with it absolutely and the trees that make the best boats grow here in maine it interests me that on the spinning planet um you know basically everything's in motion and motion is power you know, whether it's just the uh, the little, uh, what do they call them, slap savers. You get a little pump that you can put in your dinghy that, uh, by the wave motion, pumps the water out of the dinghy, let alone, uh, you know, the motion of water power in a river or, you know, the river that is the Gulf Stream. Uh, again, the wind, it's all moving. And you got to harness it somehow without without uh, taking any, anything, making any damage to the system in a different way. And, and uh, once you fool with Mother Nature, of course, it's all tricky, so... Yeah, but there are possibilities, and and glad you called this morning, Judah. Actually, straightforward. This from Ben Neal, who is used to be with the Island Institute, yep. is now at its scripts, and he's he's the guy in charge of the uh, tidal project on Vinyl Haven. That they're bringing it back uh, at the old tidal mill, the tide pond in behind the town. You probably know what I'm talking. There's about. several places. It's a, it's a tremendous possibilities in Maine. I mean, Vinyl Haven. Uh, there's several places on Vinyl Haven, and it's, look at Cobscook uh, Bay. I mean, it's just all kinds of constant tide up there where you only have a slack period of a very few minutes. St. John River, the reverse and falls. It's all moving. Yeah. It's all moving. Yeah. Judith, okay. I hate to hurry you along, but we've got to okay. talk to these e-paint people this morning. So. Got to move. <laughs> and we just had a flash of lightning here that may or may not have confused okay. us. That's why the phone rings around here. Okay, so thank you, Tack. We'll see what's happening. Thank good you, Judith. Good morning. Thank we'll you. talk to you later. <laughs> yep. And do we have, uh, do we have the e-paint people on? The good. Good morning. Who's been? Mike, Mike Goodwin, morning. maybe. This is Mike. Good morning. Mike. Good morning, Mike. Yeah. Uh, e-paints down in Falmouth, Massachusetts. Um, tell us how the place started, Mike. Oh, sure. Um, well, we got into business. Um, we wanted to produce uh, environmentally preferred bottom paints. Uh, basically, we decided back in 91 um, we weren't going to put copper in our paints um, because of, for several reasons, one, um, primarily environmental reasons, but also uh, the aluminum boat building market, uh, you really don't want to put a copper-based paint uh, anywhere near aluminum. You have dissimilar metals. Um, you can get galvanic corrosion. So uh, we started back in uh, 91. And um, 
1999, uh, things actually started taking off. It took about eight years to perfect our products. <laughs> but, uh, and here we are today. Uh, now, um, let's uh, back up a little bit. Sure. Uh, the uh, traditional bottom paint was uh, uh, tributyl tin. Sure, the most effective anti-fouling uh, or biocide. Great man. stuff. <laughs> Works great, but, of course, because it kills stuff very well, it's maybe not good well, for... Well, even, even more traditional before that was just sheets of copper nailed onto the old wooden boats. But yep, that's yep. what they did in the old days. Now, uh, tributyl tin got, got kind of phased out, and uh, then... That was banned by the uh, IMO, the International Maritime Organization, um, for all member nations uh, this year, actually, I believe it was. Yeah. Um, so what you're left with uh, traditional is copper, and copper is, is very effective at... Um, controlling fouling, but again, when everyone starts using copper, um, copper leaches out of the hull, and it goes into the sediment, and it sits there, and over time, it accumulates to levels that can become toxic. Uh, so every, every, a little bit of copper is not a bad problem, but when everyone starts using it, it is becoming a problem, and uh, there's been documented case studies in uh, San Diego, California, um, and some places in Europe where it, there are these dead zones attributed to copper. Yacht basins mm-hmm. with uh, copper readings right off the right off the scale. Now, we all know how heavy a gallon of bottom paint can be, mm-hmm. and a lot of that sloughs off on the water. Mm-hmm. Where does it go? Goes into the sediment. Of course, it does. So. Tell us, tell us a little bit more about the the base of this product. Yeah. So, how has the e paint uh, come up with a different way to approach keeping critters and and growth off of boat bottoms? Oh, sure. Uh, we have a, a patented photoactive approach where basically there's photocatalysts in the paint that use energy from the sun uh, to link together water and dissolved oxygen together to create hydrogen peroxide around the hull surface. And this is a very, uh, uh, makes the hull very septic and uh, following uh, critters, larvae, they don't want to attach to the surface. So they, they swim up, they don't like how it tastes or how it feels, and they, they swim away. So. Really, you know, no barnacles are harmed <laughs> during this uh, this process. Um, and when the peroxides are washed away from the hull, uh, they break back down into dissolved oxygen and water. Um, so that's pr- the main mechanism how e-paints work um, okay. to control fouling. Another question, is this an expensive paint? Um, if you asked me that question three or four years ago, there would be about $30, $40 uh, more per gallon. But with the increase in the price of copper, copper is up almost about $4 a, a pound now. Uh, we're actually right and low, and, and in some cases cheaper. As a matter of up. fact, uh, just today I checked it, uh, our stock room where we have price lists, and you're right in the middle of the pack. There's yeah, it's kind of, you know, it's, it's been very helpful. Now where price used to p- turn people away, now that's not an excuse anymore. Um, and your next question is, well, it doesn't work as well as copper, but actually it does, um, especially in, in, in waters like New England. Uh, so, you know, there's, there's another option now for people who, who want an environmentally preferred product that does work and is, um, you know, cost is right in line with, with What's its longevity? Um, the, multi, the multi-season paints, but with e-paints, because these are photoactive coatings, they wear away fastest at the waterline. Um, so ePaint always recommends extra coats along the waterline to get the appearance of an even gradual wear. Uh, so for most cases, typically the next season, it's just touch up around the waterline. And then, uh, you know, uh, as long as there's paint on the hull, it's a blade of paint, but as long as there's paint on the hull, it's going to continue to control fouling. So you really don't need to paint until it wears away. Um, so you could get anywhere from 12 to 24 months below the first foot in the water column, but that water line may need to be touched up every year, depending on how much how many coats you apply. And what that's about, time in the, the water. What, what about the rest of it? What's that? What, ab- what talk- about the, how long does a, well, let's simplify it. How long does a coat of bottom, uh, your bottom paint last? It, depend- it, it depends how much paint you apply on the hull. Uh, if you apply three full coats, in addition to the water line, you should get 12 to 18 months, 20 months in water service life. So you can take your boat in and out of the water. If your service, your uh, season is only five or six months, you should definitely get at least two years out of it. With that said, though, the water line area, about a couple inches down, is um, it does wear away very quickly there compared to the rest of the paint on the yeah, rest of the boat. That's not much of a problem. 
You're talking basically about a, a chemical reaction, and, and again, you have unlimited water and sunlight, but the, I guess the limiting agent in the reaction would be the bottom paint, and the thicker it is, the longer it will react, yeah. obviously. Yeah, and it, there's a lot of environmental conditions. Um, it, it's a very vague number because uh, in bright, sunny, warm waters like the Gulf, you saw a lot of paint down there, uh, you're only going to see maybe 12-month service life, but in colder Waters like New England, Pacific Northwest, and the Great Lakes—it's yeah, going to be twice. It's going to last twice as long. That's 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 a very competitive product. Mm-hmm. Now let's uh, speak very practically here, Mike. I, let's imagine I've got an old uh, boat and it's got some old uh, soft Interlux bottom paint on it, uh, and I'd like to change to the E paint. Can yep. I just like, throw it on? Yeah, uh, E paints um, in general. We um, we have, I mean, uh, we have two main products. We have solvent-based products and water-based products. Uh, the solvent-based products are compatible over most existing bottom paint. So your old bottom paint, you just need to roughen up the hull with 80-grit uh, you know, paper, uh, rinse off dust and debris, let it air dry, and slap on the e-paint. Uh, if you go with our water-based product, though, that's not compatible over any existing bottom paint. So it's a tough sell. Um, we don't sell that, but... Uh, um, the bottom of the boat's got to be stripped clean, then. For that particular water-based product, but our... Um, that's a very boats. small market. It's it's of our racing sailboats and boats that are going to be on trailers. It's a very hard coating. Well, but. in my opinion, any bottom should be clean before you apply paint to it. Mm-hmm. Here's another practical question. If you keep your boat in a slip and uh, your boat has one side that's facing south almost all the time, is you're going to get really uneven wear? Um, yeah. Wear? Yep. It, will, you, it will wear faster on the side that's facing sunlight. So it is another consideration. Um, you know, think about, uh, and next year, you know, you may just need to paint that one side of your boat. So. Turn it around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, ro- you can't rotate. I mean, that's, uh, people do do that, too, as well. Wow, it would change the whole se- social scene on the dock, <laughs> you know, and that's Barbecue the highest. On the wrong end. Let's face it, too, the highest calling of a lot of boats is to be tied to a dock, so. I mean, I mean, most people, they, they learn for themselves. They, they, we have a high... People who buy e-paint typically buy it year or every other year. You know, they, they're they're loyal customers. But the first year they find they put the, just two coats on, and it wears away about five or six inches at the waterline, wears off, and then they realize, oh, I should have put the extra paint along the waterline. And and if you do that, you're going to get the appearance of a gradual wear. It will wear away um, more evenly over time. Um, so you just you really have to do that if you don't want that to happen. It's so, a, sounds saying, to me like an interesting product. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. It says here in the professional boat builder that you're uh, not really uh, overdoing the marketing. You've been uh, working with the Coast Guard for years and other uh, government agencies. Um, you do have a track record. You've been testing things. But, uh, you know, you're not over-advertising this kind of word of mouth. And, and business, Definitely. I guess, is still pretty strong. Yeah, I mean, uh, we're a very small company. Um, the Coast Guard, you know, has been using e-paint for almost 10 years now. Uh, but really... <sighs> It, it's, I have a friend who's, they, people call up and say, I have a friend who's got this paint and I want to give it a try. And it's really a word of mouth, um, kind of a grassroots type effort, how, how the word is spread about e-paint. Um, we just, uh, you know, and, and people have found us. Either if you have an aluminum boat or you're environmentally conscious, you look online, you come across e-paint. Uh, that's how um, kind of sales have been done uh, without much marketing. One reason Mike mentions aluminum uh, several times there is is that... Uh, Copper and aluminum are not compatible in the water. It kind of makes a bad battery, you know, and copper bottom paint will do that. You can't drop a penny into the bilge of an uh, aluminum boat or a silicon bronze screw, for instance, be a bad thing. And uh, the e-paint solves that uh, galvanic problem there. Um, the, uh, oh, let's see, just lost it there, but anyway. <laughs> I have uh, spoken to a few people I know in this area who have used e-paint a few years ago, and they said they had adhesion problems, but I believe that they used the water-based paint. Yeah, we, um, that water-based product is called EP2000, uh, and it has given us problems. It, people love it, and people hate it. Uh, the main problem, we, the reason there's adhesion failure is that it's a water-based coating. It cannot be. It will not dry below if temperatures dip below 60 degrees. So, it's it's always an application issue. People apply it in the afternoon they, when it's 70 out. Temperatures dip to below 50, and it seems dry, but it really never bonded. So, um, ZOHP, which is a solvent-based system, it can be, you know, it'll dry down to lower temperatures. Um, we really never have had problems with adhesion with, with our solvent-based. Does it smell as bad as other bottom paints? 
What's that? Does it smell as bad as other bottom paints when you're yeah, putting it on? Yeah, uh, VO does, yeah. Yeah, it's the yeah. VOCs. Yeah, we, we're working on that. I mean, uh, we're trying to continue, continue to come up with better products, and that's the next one uh, mm-hmm. in the pipeline is a, is a 100% solid a VOC uh, anti-fouling paint, so no smells, uh, huh. no, nothing harmful uh, for the air quality. Um, so That's great. Um, well, there's always issues and stuff, and you can't uh, always control how people apply your product, but what, uh, frankly, Mike, uh, like say, it's a very small company. Uh, what's stopping you from conquering the world? Well, uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't have an answer for you there. I mean, uh, one vote at a time, I guess that's the approach we've taken. Um, uh, the word is getting out. I mean, it, it, part of it is environmental uh, restrict, government restrictions are coming down hard on different marinas. It's all based on each state's a little different, enforcing their federal EPA rules. But we have had yards recently um, who have switched exclusively to e-paint um, because they don't want to deal with the, the, uh, the problems with copper. Um, and switching to e-paint exclusively is saving them money in terms of having to do water quality analysis, disposal of hazardous materials. Mm-hmm. Um, Washing down in the fall. Yeah. I mean, it won't, using e-paint will not get you out of uh, power washing because that is a process. It doesn't matter what you power wash. You have to, you're supposed to uh, collect that water and treat it. But hmm. there are other cost savings involved, you know, using a copper-free bottom paint. Um, one of the nice things about e-paint is our materials are very pure. Uh, we use pharmaceutical grade uh, uh, pigments and powders, so they're they're free of uh, copper, mercury, and cadmium, all those trace harmful trace heavy metals. Um, and so, you know, there's really nothing that's being leached out of the paint that's going to persist in the environment and, and have a negative impact. So. Huh. I also read in the professional boat builder, uh, Alec Walsh, I guess the founder of ePaint, he says uh, his vision is for all paints to be water-based. Now, as a boat builder, I'm always suspicious of water-based paints, you know. And well, the, I, I used to work with a fisherman. He'd say, that 3M, that's the stuff that smells worse, that's the best stuff, he says, you know. <laughs> Better living through chemistry sort of thing. Uh, can, you know, can we all uh, be using water-based paint someday? Um, well, there's a limitation. I mean, especially for me, uh, Temperature is huge. Uh, water will not evaporate at temperatures below 60 degrees. Or it's a challenge. How, how do you get it out of the paint? Um, where we're kind of going is 100% solid, so it would be a two-part chemical reaction, you know, hard, uh, like an epoxy, silicone epoxy type hardener. With the hardener, you mix them together, and you apply it, and you get the toughness of an epoxy, flexibility of a silicone, and it's an anti-fouling paint, and there's no solvents whatsoever, so no, no organic solvents, no water, and perfect system so as that's, i that's said why why couldn't you rule the bottom of the world uh you know the underwater bottom of the world uh, so to speak that mm-hmm. sounds like such a good idea boy mike we are so happy to talk to you uh finally Thank you for having me. we've had uh people call for years asking boat uh bottom paint questions like uh you know, could I mix up some uh, hot pepper, for instance, and just put it in some latex porch paint sort it's of thing? Been you done know? In, the, that capsaicin done little, in uh, Central America for a hundred <laughs> years. Yeah, yeah, people have tried that. We've actually played with that too, the capsaicin and the chili pepper, and it is effective for a very short period of time. The problem is it, it leaches out of the paint too quickly, and it, it doesn't last long enough to. Uh, mm. It has been. I mean, any. They've even put toxic uh, radioactive materials in paints just to see what it will do. Oh, that sounds <laughs> great. So, I mean, it, no, not us, but I mean, it, it, anything that's been taught, whenever there's a problem, you know, with man, uh, man usually decides to kill it. <laughs> and, um, you know, anything that's been toxic has been thrown in a bottom paint to see what the effect will be. Um, we've just taken a different approach where we'd rather deter uh, right. critters rather than, than well, kill them. Thank you, Mike. We made a, uh, I hope you don't mind, made a link to your website from our website, boattalk.org. Oh, no, thank you very much. For anybody who would be interested in checking and your site out. your contact information, Mike. Yeah, the best way to get me, if anyone has any questions, I'd be happy to answer them. It's, uh, my email address is mike at epaint.net. It's on, it's on a website, and I check it at night and on the weekends. If you ever have a question, feel free to send me an email. And the ePoint website, ePaint oh, website? E- ePaint.com. Yeah. Well, we're up against the, uh, yeah, the time running, limit, Mike. Have running out goodbye. of time. But thank you very much for yeah, all your thank you. Okay, and thank you. Thank you very much. Take care. Yeah, you. very interesting. 
We are running into the corner on Boat Talk this morning. And, Another uh, hour has sailed by. Well, it's an embarrassment of riches in so many ways. Uh, I want to start talking to some cruising people. Some people have written uh, some interesting books about their their sailing cruising adventures around the world or taking the family to Iceland for the winter, for instance. Uh, like Trash Man? Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, uh, that, that's uh, Trash Man's a famous uh, boat that went off on a delivery and sank, and uh, people died. That's a great book. But anyway... Um, a uh, fellow from Nova Scotia, Silver Donald Cameron, just wrote an interesting book about cruising uh, down to the Bahamas from Nova Scotia for the first time. And, and uh, you know, we want to start talking about that sort of thing. We're also interested, uh, you know, in what you're interested in. All we got to do is be able to figure it out somehow. You can contact us through our website, too, boattalk.org, if you have any ideas. Remember that, you know. Well, Giffy, glad you're back again. Thank you. I look forward to having you back next month, too. Yep, stay tuned in this space. Uh, Jim Bahoosh coming up next, Music on the Wing. Uh, tomorrow is a health feature at this time. Uh, well, Thursday be Baby Talk. And this Friday is the WERU Soapbox, Boy, all in the same time frame. It's Community Radio, WERU FM, 89.9 Blue Hill, 102.9 up in Bangor, WERU.org. Boat Talk is made possible in part by the Red Fern Boat Company of Hancock County. Since 1982, offering maintenance, storage, and restoration for power boats and sailboats. Also offering dockage on Mount Desert Island, redfernboat.com.